Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile. And again, I'm joined by, by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? Noah, I am doing well. I'm hoping that as we record this, some good news is underway with the negotiations for the season to actually start on time. Hey, and at least the last time I checked, now this was like half an hour ago or so, they started talks in Jupiter, Florida. No, not Jupiter, Jupiter, Florida. Jupiter, um, Florida. All right, that, that's a key word in there, Florida. Um, they started at 1 p.m. Eastern, and Rocky's owner, Dick Monfort, was there. Uh, so he's one of the chief negotiators for the owner side. And at least as of half an hour ago, they were still talking. Now, granted, they yeah. did take a break, but still, that. I, I honestly, I think that might be progressive. Hey, we haven't cursed each other out of the room in the first two hours. <laughs> that's that's I, I that's think when you look back, look back. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Look back the last few weeks. I think today has been more than the last three or four weeks combined, to be honest with you. So I'm taking it as progress. As long as they're talking, it's a step in the right direction. And it's a step toward us knowing if the schedule is actually going to be played as it's currently printed right now. Yeah. And yeah, Jesse Rogers of ESPN reported 29 minutes ago, as we're recording this, that they've been inside for over three hours. Unclear how much time they've spent together or in different rooms, but neither side has come out. So, hey, it's something. It is something. Absolutely. And Roger Dean Stadium is a fine location to have a meeting. I'm just going to tell you. A fine location. Just for the memes of Jupiter, I mean, yeah, right there. So, no, I, I think it's interesting because there's so much, and, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, there's so much unfinished business this offseason. And correct me on my timeline here, Noah, but let's say a deal gets done by next Monday, which has been the whole February 28th kind of drop dead in a lot of people's mind, then you've still got X amount of time for spring training until the Rockies are technically open, supposed to open the season March 31st at Chavez Ravine against the Dodgers. So you've got roughly a month where you can sign guys, get ready for the season. It's just going to be like a squished uh, get together of all the trades and transactions and preparations, but it's still enough time for the Rockies and every other team to do something. In theory. Yes. Yes. In theory. That, that, that's always the, the key phrase for the Rockies, in theory. You, you and I have a, uh, I don't know if it's a pizza or a beverage or what we have wagered on what the Rockies are actually going to do between now and the start of the season. 
I'm taking the over of signings at zero, whereas you're, you're taking that. I, I am. I am at zero because I, I think it's in general with a lot of things in the last three years, it's better to take the pessimistic view and uh, like with the no- sure. negotiations. Hey, but they, they haven't killed each other in three hours. That's progress. Everybody's pro- positive, <laughs> absolutely. I rather I rather take the pessimistic look and be pleasantly surprised than put my hopes up and then be let down. Uh, that's happened too many times in recent. It, really, with everything. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, no, no argument. And I think one of the things that you and I have talked about has been if the Rockies are going to sign somebody, and I know it's an if. You know, I, I get that. But where does that play into the DH role uh, that will be coming? You know, we do know if nothing else out of the CBA, we know the DH is coming to the National League. Unless so we brought man from misspoke again. Which, is, which, yeah, which, you know, 99%. Uh, let's be honest here. <laughs> but I go back to what uh, Bill Schmidt told Nick Groke and me at the GM meetings in Carlsbad about how they weren't going to sign a David Ortiz guy to be like a full-time DH. So Nelson Cruz to the Rockies, just forget all those rumors. They're not happening. Wait, Kevin, uh, Nelson Cruz was already with the Rockies in 2004. Oh, wait, he was a pitcher. Never mind. Sorry. Oh, wait, wrong one. <laughs> but it does beg the question of if they go get a Castellanos, if they were to land a Schwarber, or somebody that, let's be honest, I don't know that we expect that, but if they were to really spend that money, that person is likely going to spend part of his time in Denver in the DH role. And as Nick Groke so eloquently put it in The Athletic, um, well, Schwarber, he's a good fit for the Rockies, but he will be their DH if, quote, you believe in the tooth fairy. Well, and some of us in the dental industry do, but we won't get into that right now. I'm just <laughs> throw that out there. So, <laughs> but but I do think that you know one thing that that uh, Bill Schmidt said out in Carlsbad, and it's stuck with me ever since he said it is those long home stands that the Rockies have, where you get those three teams coming into town for a nine or ten game set. You know, are you going to be able to sit Charlie Blackman a, a couple of times put in an outfielder out there that you have confidence that they can handle right field of course and you're going to be able to slot chuck in as the dh you know i think that that's something that we need to be looking at whenever we're having dh discussions is this is a guy who's likely going to be versatile and is likely going to be somebody who can get other players off the feet and so it's not going to be one guy as the dh but it's going to be very much a hodgepodge shall we say of rockies filling that that position and a lot of teams, like even in the American League, there's been a lot of teams that do the hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are some teams that, like, if they have Nelson Cruz or David Ortiz, they're going to have them as their primary DH. But there's a lot of teams that do the hodgepodge and essentially try to give their guys a half day off. Um, but for the Rockies, I really wonder if they, especially if they don't, sign anybody which as we've already established i don't think they will um or at least anybody of note i should say um 
the the guy for example if blackman is the dh the guy that i think would probably replace someone in the outfield and then the rockies as we know can if, for example they still have rymel tapia they can move him to left or right or in center or whatever um as with some of the other outfielders the guy that i would look at is ryan Vallade because they this past year they had him play left center and right they had him play first base a few times and before the pandemic he was a shortstop so essentially they're trying to put him into that Garrett Hampson role of, okay, he can play everywhere so we can put him on the bench. And when we have Charlie DH, okay, we can put Valade and right, or we can put Sam Hilliard and right and Hampson and setting or something like that. And we saw it when, with the Rockies in general, when they had the DH this year, Okay, we'll DH Blackman for a game and we'll put Tapia and right and Connor Joe and left. We'll DH Crone and put Joe at first and keep Tapia and left. Or we'll DH Tapia and put Joe in left. And or we'll DH Hilliard. And then they especially with first and the outfield, those are the positions where they, at least right now, that where how they're constructed is the areas where they're going to be able to put in, in a DH. But as we all know the outfield's not that great offensively. At least they haven't shown it yet. And therein lies the problem of, okay, now you have to have another hitter. You're already losing a hitter, most likely in Trevor Story. Yeah. So essentially you're having to add two bats and you already had a weak offense before. Yeah, and, and I go back to that last series of the year in Arizona where Greg Fiesel, Bill Schmidt, we're all sitting in the room and the topic of the lack of power by Rockies outfielders comes up. And it's very obvious from that point moving forward that that is going to be a focus, at least in theory, a focus for the Rockies this offseason is to bump that up because you're not going to get that from Tapia. Blackman's numbers are likely decreasing. I mean, let's be honest, Father Time usually wins that battle. Yeah. Now, can Hilliard step into that role? We've talked about him a lot, I feel like, on this podcast, and I still think he's an X factor there. But I think if you don't bring in somebody from the outside, you can't just sit there and go, the numbers, surely they're going to go up. No, they're, not, they're, they're, they're likely not. The Rockies have done that for the last three years, and what's happened? Yep. Nothing. You know, it, and I think back to, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a name here that's probably going to trigger some folks, but I think back to the Ian Desmond deal. And I uh, think did you just to, swear, Kevin Henry? I, I did. So the parental advisory on the podcast. But I think back to the Ian Desmond deal, and I think back to what could have happened had they not tried to pigeonhole him in at first base, and they just would have let him play a natural position and focus or not on him. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> go another direction. But it, it feels like that that was then, though. And, and the reason I bring that up is because I don't think that that is what a Bill Schmidt's going to do in his term. I think that was a mistake of the past regime. And I think Bill Schmidt is going to make sure that he has nothing that resembles what that regime looked like. In theory, I agree with you, but again, in theory. And, and, and I hope a week from today, I mean, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. I hope a week from today, talk about 
We've got a, a dam that's getting ready to break with free agent signings and everything else. I really do. Because I think Rockies fans are not going to be engaged until they know what direction this team is really going to go next year. And in that bridge between Zach Bean and Drew Romo and Chris McMahon and all these guys who are at the lower levels right now, finally making their way up to Coors Field. Yeah. I mean, that's, I really, really hope by next week we'll have something, but again, not holding out hope for that. No, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than let down. I I understand. (laughs) And, you know, I'll bring I'll bring the optimism. You bring the pessimism. Somewhere in the middle, you know, we'll we'll meet. So <laughs> I I will be very, I will uh, I will say June third because I God I hope it's before that. <laughs> now wait, you're saying June third for a start date for the season? Yes, is that what I hear you? The regular season, yes. Wow. Okay, so all right, let's let's play devil's advocate. I'll tell you what, let's take a break, and then let's come back and talk about that. Okay. Absolutely. So, so here on the Rocks Power Rockies Report, we will be right back, and we're going to talk about what a shortened season might actually look like. We'll be right back. And we are back, Kevin Henry, alongside my dear friend and colleague, Noah Yingling, on the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Noah, you made a bold prediction right before the break, June 3rd for the start date. So how many games does the season look like to you with a June 3rd, and what would that mean for those Colorado Rockies? Well, June third, and let's we'll noodle through some of the weeks. Uh, June third is a Friday, gotcha. so there are after that. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen Fridays after that, and then first and second of October. Okay. Um. So seventeen times seven is. 119. You have to throw in some off days in there. 100 games. 100 game schedule. I don't know. I don't like a 100 game schedule. I don't either. I got to be honest with you. I didn't like a 60 game schedule in 2020. But but that's you pay them for 100, pay them for 60, and you cut a season out of uh, of salary right there. Look at you with your math knowledge. Look at you dropping your big numbers over there. All right. So if there's a hundred game season, let's go down the pessimistic road of Noe England. That's what I'm going to call this new podcast. The pessimistic okay. road of Noe England. If it's a hundred game season, does that benefit the Rockies at all? Because if you're not playing, you're still not signing guys either. Cause technically you're locked out all this time. So um, I think it could because I think we're going to get 14 teams in the playoffs. So a shorter um, season and expanded rosters. Expanded playoffs, yeah. Expanded um, playoffs, I mean, sorry. I mean, yes. that's, that's the way it was in 2020. And, I mean, if you look at the schedule of the results from 2021 in the West, are the Giants going to win 107 games? Uh, I'll flat out tell you. Well, uh, obviously, with a hundred game schedule, they aren't going to win one hundred seven. They're good, but they're not that good. No. Yeah. Um, are they going to win equivalent to a six sixty winning percentage? I'll flat out tell you right now, they're not. One, they lost Buster Posey. Two, they aren't that good. Um, are the Dodgers going to win a hundred uh, equivalent to one hundred and six? Um, they could, but they lost Seager. 
unless they get somebody or they lost Scherzer as well, unless they get, uh, who knows, they might lose Kershaw. They yeah. might go to Texas. It's possible. Um, so unless they get somebody like Carlos Correa or somebody to address the losses, are they going to be able to win at a 654 winning percentage? Which is, so that's 65. Uh, uh, can they go 65 and 35? I doubt it. Um, the Padres. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. I, I don't think so either. No. Especially because they have a heck of a lot better manager now. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about some regressions. The Diamondbacks are not going to be as bad as they were. They aren't going to be good, but they aren't going to lose 110 games. Right. So, I mean, you're talking right there. If, if the Rockies do something, if as a big if you could be talking about a wild card team because if you if you get 14 playoff teams you're looking at the top two in each division and one additional team so because it's seven for each league yeah so could the rockies finish in third place i don't think so but that to me that depends a lot on the giants I would think the Dodgers and Padres would be one and two. And, and then you look at the other teams as well. The Reds are not going to be competitive. Uh, the Cardinals teams, especially the projections, like if you look at Pakoda, they have them, I believe, under 500. Cubs aren't good. Pirates aren't good. So realistically, you got Brewers and pick one other team, probably the Cardinals uh, there. And then you look in the East Braves. Pakota doesn't like them, which I, I find that very funny. Um, yeah. Phillies aren't that good. The Mets are the Mets. So you never know on the Mets. The Marlins aren't good. And the Nationals aren't good. You know, it's funny you bring up the Braves because I, I think one of the big questions of the offseason is Freddie Freeman, obviously. And, yeah. and I think what the Braves do is predicated on a does Freeman resign or B do they pull some kind of trade for a Matt Olson or somebody like that to fill in if Freeman leaves. Now, if Freeman leaves, you know, we've likely heard that his two biggest places would be the Yankees or the Dodgers. The Dodgers certainly don't need the help, but you know, they're the Dodgers. So of course they're going to get some, something the Yankees, if Freeman goes to the Yankees, that's a very interesting what if, uh, you know, and then the, like, as you mentioned, the Correa thing, I'm very curious to see what that means. Yeah. So my biggest question is when, when they're doing the Dakota, you know, and I, I don't put a lot of faith in them just yet because I know there's still so many moving pieces not to mention, Pakoda is not very accurate. It's it, it's not, you know. So I, I don't I don't go to it's, Vegas and go. Well, here's here's the answer key. I got it. it it's um, something that we get to talk about. Uh, that, that's is. about it. It is. I'm really going to be curious though how much it shifts between now and when the season actually starts, and we know where Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa and Trevor Story are going to be playing. I'm very curious about that. Yeah, and that's the thing they they put in uh, they put out a caveat of, hey. We, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. So things could change. And I also find it very interesting because, you know, and we, we can go down this rabbit hole if you want. Um, MLB network has been very um, selective on their, 
coverage during the lockout. Okay, yep. we can't use names and players, but now we can use names. Now we can't use names. We still can't use pictures. And, oh, we, we're talking to this guy that's retired, but, oh, it has this guy who is an active player. So no, we can't show that video. And Pakota's been out for a week now. They haven't talked about not it. Sir. Not touching. Nope. And it's funny because nobody uh, – this is another uh, tangent. Um, nobody pays for baseball prospectus, so or not many people, I should say. So there's a few sites that have uh, – the Braves, the Tigers. Um, I've seen their articles about Pakota things for them. But yep. really nobody else in the baseball world has looked at Pakota numbers because – behind a paywall <laughs> right and MLB Network's not talking about it so yeah it, it, and, and you're right it is interesting and I think MLB Network you know I don't know this but I think it's safe to say that obviously they're trying to keep it so much about the 2022 season on the down low unless it benefits their stance right now in these negotiations yeah that's their whole soul that's their sole po- purpose right now is to be state radio <laughs> and it's and it's fascinating to me that we've seen uh, so much come out of that. And it's like, well, here's our side. And here's why we believe this. And it's like, yeah. yeah, they're just wrong. They're bad people, as we like to say here on this podcast. Yeah. So, for example, because I, I actually thought today, being Monday, I thought, okay, Hot Stove, which is the morning show on MLB Network. They, well, first off, they usually do two hours a day, 9 to 11 Eastern. And they do it every day. Since the lockout, they've been doing one hour every other day. So they've cut their workload by 75%. And they, they can't do their their regular intro has players in it, so they can't run the regular intro. Um, and they can't talk about players, all that kind of stuff. They, they usually do their free agent slot machine at least once a week. Can't do that. Um, and you look... And it's like today, like I said, I was thinking, okay, they might bring up the Pakota stuff. No, we're going to talk about, okay, we'll talk Black History Month. We can do that. Can't talk about current players. Right. We can talk about Ken Griffey Jr. Sure. Or we can talk about Buck O'Neill. But current players, sorry, you, you don't exist right now. Um, yeah. And they'll do a game or two. And then off they go. They're done. <laughs> so, oh, and they'll they'll give it. They'll go to Mark Feinzand or Joel Sherman. Not not Ken Rosenthal because he's a bad person now too. Right. He he spoke out against Manfred. So not part of state state supported radio for sure. So um, he so they go to one of those two for a, a lockout update, and they talk to them for ten minutes. And in that ten minute conversation, they say nothing's happened. Okay, commercial. Yep. <laughs> And again, I hope we're in the I hope we're in the final days of this, because because for people who love baseball and for people who write about baseball, this has not been fun. You know, I, I think I, we all speak for yourself on that. <laughs> I I absolutely love writing history articles. If you checked out Call to the Pen recently, I absolutely honestly I, I love writing the Hall of Fame articles. You know, I absolutely love them. Can Can we just say? That you have become a member of the the Tiant family uh, since we last talked. I think that's pretty that impressive. And and in fact, I, 
you need to ask me this. Okay. Who do I think are the players that I, I completely underrated looking for Hall of Fame stuff and people that are way overrated? You want me to ask you that now? Is that is that your Might saying? Well, that? I mean, okay. I, I, here we are. Boy, here's an awkward segue. Hey, Noah, tell me about some overrated and underrated guys, will you? Louis Tiant. Okay. I, Big man. Yeah, I I was. I thought he was borderline. Looked at it, and you're like, uh, how, "How is he not in?" Yeah. David Cohn's another one. Uh, uh, if you look at offensive players, Reggie Smith. Oh my lord! How how I, he wasn't even on my radar. I'll be totally honest. No. And I was like, okay, he had a decent career. And you look at the numbers, and you're like, okay, he's got numbers comparable to first ballot Hall of Famers. But he's not in. Not even close. He can't even get on a veterans committee ballot, huh? Or sorry, era committee. Um. Two of them vastly, vastly overrated. Both of them coincidentally are um, veteran or era committee people who have been on ones recently. I I shouldn't say they're overrated. I should say the sabermetric numbers say they're very overrated. Ah, okay. Dave Parker, not even close to being a Hall of Famer. If you look, the Cobra, really? Huh. Side story on that here in a minute. Okay. And Steve Garvey. Not even close. If you, if, and speak, I'll actually bring in a third one. Joe Carter. Joe Carter gets on the Eric committee ballots and he has a war in his career of about 18. Wow. Uh, 19.6 in 16 seasons with the Cobra. I, I, let's see if you can get this and we'll tie this back in with the Rockies. Um, well, first off, actually, I'll go Joe Carter. 1990, he came in 17th in NL MVP voting. He had a negative 1.7 war. Hmm. Dave Parker, after the 79 season, of course, the We Are Family Pirates. Yep. He kind of trailed off, especially in the war department, because he wasn't as good defensively. In 1985, though, he came in second in NL MVP. And in 86, he came in fifth in NL MVP. All right. And that 86 year when he came in fifth, can you guess his war? Oof. I will give you a hint. He had the same war as a player on the 2021 Rockies that happens to have a cousin on the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, I don't know that right offhand. Was, was it point se- negative 0.7? Is that what it was? It was 0.3. Point three. It was a positive. Yeah. Okay. Zero point, point three. three. Okay. And he came in fifth. Interesting. NL MVP voting. The, the Cobra. I'm telling you. For those of us of a certain generation, yes, the We Are family, all that stuff. Uh, that was very interesting. And that dude was larger than life. Like Bill Madlock, Dave Parker. Uh, Dick Allen, they're just guys that I just think of as they were like 10-foot-tall giants, and and that just yeah. is up there with me. The 1979 Pirates, though, I, the, there, were some, there were some characters on that team. Phil Garner, yep. Tim Kent, Foley. Kent to Colby, baby. Yeah. Always Y-11. Yeah, there you go. John Candelaria. Um, the Candyman. 
I, I have to bring in this name because he went to the college that I went to, Grant Jackson. Um, okay. Ed Whitson. You know, Jim these, are, these are legends in there. <laughs> yeah. Legends, I tell you. But yeah, if you look at Dave Parker, he has a career 40.1 war. That is interesting. Which I would have thought it would have been a lot higher than that. I would have thought that too. For everything that but he did with those, yeah. After 79 defensively, he was awful according to the numbers. Just awful. I mean, like negative 17 uh, total zone runs, which is the predecessor to defensive run right. It. You know, and I think we talked about this with Buddy Bell in our last podcast. You've really gotten into those older sabermetric numbers, and yeah. and they've really been pretty interesting uh, tales to tell. Well, and like with Dave Parker, he, for example, in 77, he had a war of 7.4, and it's because if you look at his total zone runs, he had 25 that year. Huh. But just by 1980, he was negative. So, yeah, it's how quick it happens, man. It's how quick it happens. I'm telling you. And that, and really, and to bring it back with the Rockies, it's kind of the way with Charlie Blackman. I mean, a lot of people say, okay, he's he. It's not like he's Willie Mays out there, but he's a decent defender if he's on one of the corners. And the numbers say he's not. On the other hand, like in 2021, and we've mentioned this name before plenty of times recently, not for his defense, it's Rymel Tapia. If you look at the numbers for 2021, you'd think he was a gold glover. The eye test at least tells me he's not. Previously, 2020 and prior, if you look at the numbers, they say he was a bad defensive player. So that's the thing with war and total zone runs and defensive run save. It's like, okay, how how accurate are these? Now, granted, my eyes could be lying to me, but still, no, I, I think that it's really important because if you you know when you watch the twenty twenty one Rockies, one thing that stood out to me as much as anything last year was Charlie. Charlie's arm almost seemed now his outfield arm seemed invigorated. He made some incredible throws last year from yeah. right field. And, and, you know, that's where I go, the eye test versus the stats. And, you know, don't want to be the old man yelling in a cloud here or anything like that. But there are oh, times. I do it plenty of times, so you can fill in for me on this. <laughs> but I, I do think there are times that some of those things get lost in the, the overall mix, shall we say. Uh, and, and Charlie, you know, when we talked to him in Arizona, that last uh, – uh, series of the year he was pretty darn proud actually that you know he'd had some pretty good throws that year and was also pretty darn proud that we noticed he'd had throws that year yeah and if you look like if you look at defensive run save for charlie blackman he did improve in 2021 compared to 2019 but it was still negative two in 2020 of course the pandemic year he was break even zero he was negative eight in 2019. In 2018, mind you, he was still playing center field. It was at negative 26. Yeah. Now, the Rockies at least somewhat bought into that because there's a reason why he was in right field in 2019. Yep. And I remember that was a big discussion that spring training. It's, oh, my gosh, Chuck may go to a corner. What's that going to be like? 
Yeah. It's been fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it's been perfectly fine. And, you know, there are plenty of folks who will tell you right field is just as tough, if not tougher to play at Coors than center because of the angle of the sun and everything else. Yeah. So really the problem with Charlie Blackman, it's not the defense. It's can he hit for power again? Yeah. 2017. I I mean, it wasn't in a way it's it's longer ago than we think, but in a way it's not, at least for me. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's five years ago now. Yikes. But in a way it's like, Oh, that was, that was, that was last week. Um, no, but he had 37 homers, 104 RBIs, the MLB lead in triples, 14, 35 doubles. He had a 1000 OPS. It was 761 in 2021. Mm-hmm. That slugging percentage I... dropped 190 points. Yeah, that's a problem. Oh, it was a magical season for Chuck that year. And and how much national love did he get for that? Or did shrug, people just shrug and go, eh, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was a heck of a season, honestly. So and if you if especially if you didn't look at the defensive numbers, I even with the defensive numbers, he still had a five point five war season. But that's a thing where, especially with with war, since it considers the defense, you look especially and this might actually be something I do for call to the pen too, is some of the MVP awards in the past. You're like, okay. Oh, wow. How did this guy get in? Yeah. It's be- like with Dave Parker, they weren't looking at defensive run save. They weren't looking at war. They saw a guy that had 31 homers, I believe, and a hundred and close to 120 RBI. And they're like, Oh yeah. 31 homers, 116 RBI. And he hit 273, led the NL in total bases with 304, played in all, all 162 games. So he came in fifth in MVP. But when you look defensively, you're like, oh, okay, he's a crap player. Right. I, is he? I, 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 maybe he wasn't fifth in MVP, but I don't think he was a .3 war player. <sighs> it's just good to talk baseball sometimes. I'm just telling you, it is. And uh, as you yeah. know, I absolutely love talking history of baseball. Yeah. Well, and that's why I want to make sure people are not only checking out rockspot.com, but also what we're doing, a call to the pen, because uh, uh, Noah's really, really written some really interesting articles over there. Also going to give a shout out to our friend Manny Randawa, because he's done some really interesting historical stuff. Uh, I was literally just going to bring him up, too. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I've actually been really fascinated to read some of his deep dives into the history. Uh, while the lockout's been going on as well. So kudos to him, you know. And one name he brought up on Twitter, and if if you don't look at the off-the-field stuff with him, he has a great case for the Hall of Fame, Kevin Brown. His numbers are nearly identical to Jim Palmer and Don Drysdale. There's an War, wins, ERA+, plus, all of it. But then... You look at, okay, he took steroids. Um, he was not the um, most media-friendly person. <laughs> and then, oh, my neighbor's uh, brain, uh, is cutting his grass, and his grass clippings are blowing into my yard, so I'm going to pull a gun on him. Yeah. That's not the thing to do if you want to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Just going to throw it out there. I, yeah, I those three things. They're like, eh. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe you won't get in the Hall of Fame. Sure enough, he got 
2% of the vote. Yeah. But if you just look at the numbers, you're like, wow, this guy should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, well, we will find out what happens with the lockout. Next time we talk here on the Rocks Power Rockies Report, we're going to have a better idea of what kind of season this is going to look like. Is it going to start on time? Maybe, just maybe, Noah, we'll actually talk some free agent rumors because maybe they'll start swirling by that point, too. I do have one last thing, though. Bring you know it. the tie-in between Kevin Brown and Charlie Blackman. Both no. went to the Georgia Institute of Technology. Kevin Brown went to Georgia Tech as well? Yep. Interesting. I was, try- I was trying to think of a Texas tie for some reason there. But, okay, Georgia Tech, yep. interesting. As right. did Noma. Noma. Telling you, the, the Yellow Jackets are a force on the diamond. Never Mark forget. Mark did as well. Just throwing it out there. All right. So for all the, all your Georgia Tech listening needs, hey, come back here on the Rocks Power Rockies report <laughs> next time. Uh, we, <laughs> we are looking forward to baseball. Good, old-fashioned, God-fearing American baseball. We'll see how it comes soon. If you didn't uh, like this podcast episode, just please hope that a, the lockout will end yeah. so you won't have to hear me talk about players and seasons from the 70s and 80s yeah maybe maybe a day parker won't be a brought up next podcast we'll see what yeah. happens so anyway for my friend and partner noah yingling this is kevin henry signing off for this episode of the rocks file rockies report and as always even in the midst of a lockout go rockies everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.